Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like grape banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Oh man, you didn't kill yourself, again That's fucking dope how you do congratulations pat yourself on the back give yourself a second unless you're riding a bike or a unicycle well actually if you're riding a unicycle you can do that why are you listening to a podcast while you're riding a unicycle that's silly and i want to be your friend welcome to the voices in our heads i'm your host christina marie hutchinson i hope you all are well i'm so glad you didn't kill yourselves this week honestly good for fucking us i've been in oddly good spirits i won't say oddly because that puts a negative spin on it. I'm like, wait, what is this positivity flowing through my bones? I don't fucking know. And I don't like it. Just kidding. I really do like it. I'm feeling good. Um, my Buffalo shows, they got canceled. So sorry about that. I, when I took the shows, the comedy club offered me the shows. I was like, oh, we can like perform indoors. Yeah, I'll do it. But I didn't say that. I wasn't like, hey, is it legal to perform indoors? Because I thought it was because they offered me the show and it wasn't because the day before I was supposed to drive up, uh, someone ratted them out, a local. And that's fair on all. It's it, You know what? I get why the local ratted and I get why the comedy clip should still try to have a show. Did I wish that I knew that it was on the verge of being canceled if a rat came by from the community? I wish I just had a heads up on that. You know what I'm saying? I say rat with love. Because I just found a baby rat on my floor. Well, just last week or whatever. Whenever it was. Time doesn't exist. <laughs> it's fake. And I baked, I boiled it, frozen peas to feed that fucker. So I say rat with love. Okay. Before you get your panties in a twist up your butthole. Before you twist your panties and you put them all up your butthole. I don't like the word panties. I'm fine with the word moist though. Some people don't like the word moist. I'm like, yeah, it makes me think of a Duncan Hines chocolate cake. Not a pussy. But a moist pussy, that's fun as well. So I don't know what people's problems are with the with the, with the, with the but, <laughs> I don't know what people's problem is with the word moist. <gasps> I did it, you guys, I said it. Oh my God. I'm such a goof troop. Yeah, so those gigs was canceled the day before, and uh, I'm so sorry to anybody who got tickets or was looking forward to go. But you know what? Let's do it when it's safe. And it's so close to Canada. Buffalo's so close to Canada that I want all you Canadians, eh? Sorry. Uh, to, to come, to be able to come and not have to quarantine for two weeks. Man, I would not, I would not recommend doing, if you, if, some, if a Canadian came to my show, I would be like, go back home. No, I would never do that. But if a Canadian came to my show and then knowing that they had a quarantine for two weeks in Buffalo, I'd be like, you, I, what? Are you okay? You good? You okay, boo-boo? But if you live in Fairfield, Connecticut, boy, do I have news for you. I am headlining Fairfield Comedy Club, but it's an outdoor show. So to all the rats. Um, Saturday, August 29th, there's a 5 p.m. show and a 7.30 p.m. show. They're both outdoors, and it's at Fairfield Comedy Club, which is also the Fairfield Circle Inn. So I guess that's a hotel or a motel. Um, Wendy Starling will be there featuring, and I'm going to be doing a longer set. It's 15 and up. 
if you're 15, fucking come. I, you know what I hate though? When there's kids there, like little kids. Don't, don't do that. Although, actually, you can do that. The reason I don't want you to do that is because I feel bad saying profanities. However, what, how I should think of it is... You bring this kid to my show, lady. I'm going to talk about BJ's. So buckle up, little Johnny. Woo! You're going to get educated in a, in a way, in a non-good way. Um, but if you use code CHRISTINA in all caps, that's K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A. No, I never had a custom name bike plate on my bike because they didn't make them per name. They just made the generic ones and put it on a little rack in the store. And then I always browse through the rack and then I never saw it. And there is the disappointment that I've been living with for the rest of my life. But if you use code Christina, when you buy your tickets, it's 20% off. Ooh, ooh, that's cool. Hey guys, um, let's do some fuckboy theater, okay? <laughs> Now, I uh, last week I read um, a British man's profile. It was rather wordy. And I didn't get through the whole thing. So let us finish this British man's OK Cupid bio. Boo! Oh, man. There's two more pages that I didn't read. And they're good ones. Okay. So this prompt he answered is, I love traveling because... First of all, who doesn't fucking like traveling? I mean, an, an agoraphobia, is that the spider one? That's arachnophobia. Agoraphobia is when you're afraid to leave your home, which, I mean, poor you, seriously, I'm not, I mean that seriously now, because I get, you have a legitimate reason to be afraid to leave your home. So that probably backs up all the illegitimate reasons you were afraid to leave your home. But everyone likes traveling. So I feel as though putting I love traveling in your bio, yeah, no shit. You know, I don't need you to self-identify as a travel fan. But if you're other things, I want you to identify and lean into them so I know not to swipe on you. Like if you're a Nazi. Oh, you're a Nazi? Next. That's a next for me, sir. I know my worth. No Nazis here. Because now I know I'm Jewish. Actually, that's kind of funny. To have sex with a guy who says he's a Nazi. That's not funny. You should never do that. But in an imaginary world, imagine having sex with a guy who's a Nazi. And then at the end, after he comes. No. As he comes. As he's coming. You go, I'm a Jew. (laughs) Although you might get killed. So anyway, I love traveling because women of the world like British men more than British women. I doubt that, sir. I'm a three here. Don't doubt that. So when a flower unexpectedly spreads open for me, ew, with associated nectar, I pause to evaluate how how many bastards I'd be sending to university. I might as well feel like a seven in continental Europe and an eight in North America, and a nine in Southeast Asia with further stock appreciation in East Africa and South America. Uh Uh-oh, I feel like that doesn't mean something good. My favorite outdoor activity is picking up my belongings from a dolly bird's garden. It's embarrassing in front of the neighbors, but a stern hello usually gets them back to their gardening. 
what kind the kind of feminism I most identify with. Oh, let's read that answer. To the kind of feminism I most identify with. The parts which defy logic. What parts are those, sir? Would you mind telling me what parts those are, please? The Voices in Our Heads podcast at gmail.com. How I came to terms with my identity. Oh, good. Let's fucking figure out this privileged man's journey. Your privilege is showing piece of shit. How I came to terms with my identity. I mean, it probably wasn't that hard. You were born and you're like, here I am. And then no one else questioned your existence. But what do you have to say? That it pays to be a professional bachelor to recognize seduction from destruction and the modern day relationship of cock teasing, guilt tripping, gold digging, and emotional terrorism. Wow. Oh, did you hear that? Sorry. That was my throat gurgling. Huh? Isn't a belly supposed to do that? So that's the end of this guy's bio. And then here's something. These are two bios. And um, there's a trend in, in the verbiage in these two bios. Let's read Stephen's bio, 28 years old. Lives in Maryland. I'm probably describing like hundreds of people. So fucking relax, Stephen. It's with a V. So now it's like 50s of people. His bio is, I'm looking for a girl who's super mean. She also has to be super clingy and jealous. I prefer women who talks a lot about their ex and for de- for the a love of the bootyliciousness. That's duh with D-A. I'm super in shape thanks to my strict diet of Coronalite and Twizzlers. We are a Twizzler family. Red Vines have no place in this home. I work nights fighting crime. I'm not saying I'm Batman. But no one else has ever seen the Riddler in Baltimore. Okay, ew, but okay, whatever, sure, whatever. And so then this guy's name is Kamau, and I don't know, this guy lives in the same state, but not in the same city. His bio says, I'm looking for a woman who's super mean. She has to be really clingy and jealous. I prefer women who talk a lot about their ex and their love for social media. In my free time, I like to take off my shirt and take selfies. I'm super in shape thanks to my strict diet of peanut M&Ms and Reese's. We're a Reese's family. Kit Kats have no place in my home. In my spare time, I like to take long walks to the fridge. It clears my mind. What? And then I was like, huh? When she sent me those, I was like, wait. What? And I googled the phrase in quotes, I'm looking for a woman who's super mean. And then all these pro pictures of bios came up with that exact same sentence. And then, oh, the man took the time to change the candy and make it a little personal. Oh, ladies, we are so hashtag blessed that men put so much thought into courting us. What the fuck's that about? I tried to figure out if it was a reference. It was a fucking movie quote. And then Google was like, I don't fucking know. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to research it anymore because I don't care. So there's that. And then let's let's read. Um, We'll, we'll read one conversation between a, a lady and a fuck boy named Zach. Okay. It's from Tinder. This is from Tinder. Yes, it is. Okay, ready? You fine as shit. Ha 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 ha. Thanks. Yellow heart emoji. You got a coochie, right? 
No offense, that's a mandatory question. I gotta ask out of the gate. Boy, what? Crying laughing means emoji? Yes, I do. Pleasure to meet you then. Smiley emoji. Huh? Where's the tact? Man, if you Google, like, if you read old love letters, people from war sent to their wives, you're going to find a lot more poetry and a lot more tact and a lot more thought. So that guy's name was Zach, who asked, you got a coochie, right? <laughs> the fuck kind of question is that? And then what, what is his main profile picture? Oh, it's a picture of him outside by a lake. What's he holding in his hand? Oh, he's holding a bass that he just caught that he does not look like he's going to throw back. Okay, Zach? Zach kept the bass. And then he took a picture of, well, he got somebody to take a picture of it and then he put it on his Tinder profile. Why do men go for the holding a fish I just caught photo in their bios? I don't give a fuck the only, no, the only time I want to see you holding a fish in your bio is if you are a fisherman. So that tells me your work with fish. If you're not a fisherman, man, I don't know about these fish. Fo- I mean, ugh. And the bass in this guy's Tinder photo, the mouth is wide open. And the look in his eyes is like, I'm going to put this on my dick. It kind of looks like he's going to put it on his dick. All right. And scene. Okay. So that was, that was stuck with your video. You hope you like it. Hope you liked it. God. If you have, keep, keep sending me the, the screenshots. And if you're a guy who uh, sees a crazy bio from a gal, or weird conversation where gals being a fuck girl. The voices in our heads podcast at gmail.com. I'll, I, I'll fucking narc on girls too. It's just, I do fuck boy theater in an effort to raise people's awareness about what the fuck they're putting out there when they're trying to get a wife or a husband or whatever you want. But if, even if it's a fuck buddy guys, Sexual intercourse is the closest you can physically get to another human being. Let's put a little thought into it. Put a little thought into it. Um, and if you have, if you have a crazy story, that fucking alien email last week was so interesting to me. Oh my god! And then this one girl was telling me that she has a um, printed out photo from a from a thing of film that her father took of a UFO above Los Angeles. She's like, "Do you want to see it?" I'm like, "Yes, I want to see it." Uh, is that does a does a bear eat fish base bass from Zach's hand? Yes, I want to see it. And she showed it to me. I was like, "Yo, that is a UFO, bitch. Yo, bitch, that's a UFO. <gasps> Isn't that so cool?" And I wonder if there's any alien abduction stories where the people are like, yeah, the aliens were dicks. They all seem really nice. Although that one girl said that she thought that the alien gave her a shot. And I'm like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Maybe the aliens are fucking this up. Maybe the aliens put corona here. Whatever. Don't blame people. 
Oh, I did this meditation last night. I have this app, 10% Happier. And I've been spending my evenings, or I've been trying to spend my evenings um, meditating and just being like in my body and like present or whatever, not to brag. But this one meditation, what was it called? Let me just, let me look up the app so I can give you the accurate information because it was such a good fucking meditation profile. Favorites. Oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't favorite it. History. There we go. 10% happier. Soothe anxiety. Oh, oh, dropping the blame game. That's what it's called. The, the meditation is called dropping the blame game. You can choose a five minute, 10 minute, or 15 minute. And it was, oh my God, I felt like all the muscles relax in my body when I did this because I realized I blame things. I'm either blaming myself or others all the time. I think that's a human trait. Certainly not unique to me. Certainly not unique to me. Do you have a television? Blaming, man. And and one of the things that the um, guy, Oren J. Sofer, who led the meditation, said is instead of resorting to blame, ask what need is not being met. And he said that, and I was like, you know, on my yoga mat in front of my fireplace with my candelabra lit in the fireplace because I don't want to light a fire because I don't want to die of carbon dioxide. And I was deep in the zone, eyes closed, meditating. And he said that. He's like, instead of blaming somebody, ask what need is not being met. And I, was, I opened my eyes. I was like, oh, shit, that's a good question. Uh, that's a good question. So, like, I, I had a, a fight. Uh, I'm, st- I'm, I'm not as sad about it. Well, I'm still sad about it. Uh, uh, with a friend who I really love a lot. And we're not talking now. And that's... Ugh, it's sometimes you just need to sometimes people go apart sometimes there's misunderstandings and sometimes you just can't go back from where you were and that's that's part of that's part of life um but it still sucks it's still sad but I took that situation because he was like take a situation where you were you were blamed or you blamed somebody for something and I thought of that and then like what was the need that wasn't being met I'm like that person didn't feel loved by me enough and that's not to say I didn't express it enough or maybe maybe there's ways I could express it better but they felt abandoned by me whether or not that had to do with a childhood thing, a, a, um, a mental thing, it doesn't matter. But that was the need that needed to be met. And I just softened towards that friendship. I, I really, I was like, oh, oh, oh. So 10% happier is a good app. It's a good app. You know, I, um, if you don't know, I have a Babes on Blades playlist. It's on Spotify. And I'm going to put, I'm going to put um, all the songs that I play at the end of these podcasts, I'm going to put those on the Babes on Blades playlist as well because they're all songs I really love. And uh, I'm not, it's, if you're listening to this like the second it comes out, just give me a minute, okay? So it's not going to happen right away. But I was listening to music on shuffle, just like a random playlist. Cause like I need new content because I don't listen to the radio. I don't drive a car. I don't got a radio in my home. What am I, 70,000 years old? Um... But that song, one of those, there's so many, I'm such a literal kid. I remember the first time I really, one memory, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. I don't know why this is such a poignant memory for me, but I was probably four years old and, uh, and I was in the car in the backseat in a, in a high, ch- not a high chair. I clearly don't have children in a car seat. There we go. I have a nephew. That's why it took me a second. And the song, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that came on. And I would do anything for love. That's exactly how it goes. And I remember crying because the guy sounded so upset and sad. And he said, but I won't do that. And I kept asking my mom, like, what's that? What won't he do? Mother, what won't he do? I must know. He's so sad. I can't take this vagueness. You got to tell me. 
I forget what she said. I think she's like, I don't know. <laughs> but I remember being so sad about that song. It made me cry. Oh, and then Tears in Heaven. I remember the first time I heard Tears in Heaven. I was around the same age. I would fucking cry to music all the time. That seems sad. And my mom's like, are you okay? I'm like, I am fine. You're four. I know. I don't want to feel this much either, Nancy. But here we are. But there's a song that always got my goat since I was a kid. That song, You're So Vain. It's just, what the? This is not a profound thought or even a funny one at all. So don't expect that. But it just bugs me to this day that the lyrics are, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. Lady, it is. Look at what you did. You let the patriarchy win. Why don't you take off your shoes and throw them in the river? I don't know what that means, but. Guys, everyone's going nuts. <laughs> everyone's going nuts, man. I'm, I'm on these streets. I'm walking around Murray Hill. I love, I love, one of the many things I love about having Kevin is that he's my soulmate dog, but also I love walking him around. I, I just get to walk around my neighborhood more a couple times a day. It's very fun. But people are going nuts. There's a lady on the street that went to pet Kevin. And I'd seen her around before. And I was like, are you okay? And then she came up to pet Kevin. And, and I she saw him. And then she made this noise. Oh! And I was like, oh, all right, fine. And, you know, a lot of people try to come up and pet Kevin. Sometimes they ask. Sometimes they don't. I mean, Kevin's not going to bite. So I don't really... You know, don't hit my dog. Don't do weird things to my dog. Don't have, don't rape my dog. Don't do, don't do dirty things to my dog. Not that you were going to, but you know, that I would have a problem with, of course. But people who go up to pet him, I just don't have a problem with it because he's not going to bite. So it's fine. Sometimes people go up to pet him and he's not having it. He doesn't give a shit or he doesn't like the person or he's scared of the person. I, whatever his feelings are, I honor them. Okay. Because I'm my own healthy parent. But if he doesn't want to be pet by somebody, I'm like, oh, well, I don't say that. I'm like, oh, he's just shy. Like, I brush it off. Like, I don't, whatever. If he doesn't want to pet you, he doesn't want to pet you. Get the fuck over it. So this lady goes, oh. I'm like, oh, fucking worse. And Kevin, that noise, he didn't like that. And she wanted to pet him. And she tried to pet him. And he ran right behind my legs. And then she started crying. And I'm like, lady. She was dressed in nice clothes. So I'm like, but you, you really don't have any idea of people's mental states or what their internal turmoil is. And believe me, people have a lot of it. And you'll never know it. But sometimes people wear it on their sleeves. And people have been wearing it on their forehead lately. This woman starts crying because Kevin didn't want to pet, pet him. Wanted to be pet. He didn't want to be pet. And she starts crying. I'm like, lady, look, this is a pandemic. We're all going nuts. We all are going nuts from this economy. Everything being closed. Police brutality. It fucking sucks. We're all going crazy. Can you just fake it for a second? Just hide it for a minute. But really what I was saying is you hide it. You hide your crazy. I don't want to hide my crazy right now. You do it. Can you do it? Please. Ugh. <laughs> I didn't say any of that, but that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, come on. Ever since I found the rat downstairs, the baby rat, and then I found a couple giant roaches. They were already dead, but it's still scary, okay? Now when I go downstairs to my bedroom, as I'm walking down the steps very slowly, I say, okay, go away now, roaches and ratsies and mice. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Time to leave. Get out of my sight. What I can't see won't hurt me, so see you later. And I, like, clap and yell that as I go downstairs to hopefully scare them. Because I just don't want to see it. We're going to talk about that later today when we do. 
the sixth, the first pillar of self-esteem. Not wanting to know knowledge is not being present in the world, y'all. And I am guilty of it. And so are you. So go fuck off. There's a social media trend going on that's like you get a message from a woman and she's like, hey, I'm only doing this for people. It's like a copy and paste. But like I'm picking 50 people that I really love and post a black and white photo of yourself and then do challenge accepted and then make somebody else do it. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So if anybody I know personally who sent them to me, um, I'm not going to do it. But I don't want to tell you I'm not going to do it in the DM. I'll just say it here. And if you listen, thank you for listening to my podcast. First of all, it's so nice. But also, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to. I don't want to. God, I have the appetite of a child. You want to know what? You know, one of my favorite dinner is fucking fish sticks. I love fish sticks. One of my favorite breakfasts is maple and brown sugar dinosaur egg oatmeal. Because the dinosaur eggs hatch when you add hot water. So suck on that, Niles, or whatever your British ass name is. God, I love, I love, I love it. I love kid food. I love Uncrustables. But mm, 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 mm. but this magical thing has been happening to me lately. Oh, it's so exciting. Where for so many years after I did this whole, oh, wait, I got to be self-aware and sit in the driver's seat of my life. <laughs> Oops. Ever since then, um, you know, I've noticed when I have bad habits and I'll go, oh, I'll, that's a bad habit. I want to change it. And then I don't change it. But And while I do the bad habit, I'm like, man, I wish I could change this habit. I'm like, you can. And then the other part of me is like, no, nah, I'm not going to now. I'm like, okay, well, fuck you, I guess. But I'm finally starting to have healthier habits. Like I, So I would normally smoke weed late at night soon before I go to bed and eat things like maple and brown sugar, dinosaur egg oatmeal. It makes a great midnight snack. Three packets. Mm, fuck you. And or, or chocolate chip waffles. I'll toast them and put butter on them. Or fucking donut. Whatever. I'll just eat a bunch of shit. I'll smoke eating a bunch of shit. I'm like, that's not, I don't want to do that anymore. Christina, can we not? Can we cut the eating children's food at three in the morning before you go to bed? I feel like it's not good for your stomach. It's not good for a lot of stuff. It's a lot of sugar. Come on. And then for so many years, I just sat back and I'm like, well, that's, I'm still not changing y'all. I'm still not changing. I'm still doing it. What the fuck? But recently, I have been, because I have so much, I have energy at night that I need to get rid of. So what I've been doing at night, instead of eating shit, I work out. I have a kettlebell up here because I work out with my trainer, Talia, and three times a week. And so I know all these exercises that I could do at home that involve my kettlebell. I'm like, don't involve my kettlebell. That make my ball agree. And so instead of stuffing my face with Uncrustables, an entire box probably, or an entire box of those mini Trader Joe's ice cream cones. I mean, fuck you. If you're going to make it mini, I'm going to justify buying it by saying it's mini. And then I'm going to justify eating the whole box in one night because it's mini. But now, the past couple of nights, I mean, we'll see how long this lasts. But I've been, I've had all this energy. And I'm like, I'm going to take that goddamn kettlebell, light a couple candles, and fucking smoke weed and work out. And I have been. Dude, looking good, gotta say. But there's a lot of parts of my personality that... There's a lot of parts of my personality that I still pretend don't exist. I'm, I feel like I'm finally coming to terms with. Because it's not that I'm ashamed of that trait. Because if I was, if I was truly ashamed of a trait that I had, I would work hard to change it. Gotta change it. 
but I'm not really ashamed of it. I, <laughs> I can't keep a secret. I can't keep a secret, man. If you tell me a secret, I'm going to tell at least one other person. Right away, probably. Probably go to the bathroom and, and, and text them. Just like one or two people. I'm not going to tweet your secret. You know, that tweeting, that's mean. That's terrible. That's a dis- betrayal of trust. And I'll tell, you know, when people are like, hey, can you keep a secret? Or hey, um, okay, this is a secret. Can you keep it? What do you want me? You're putting me in an impossible position because I know I can't keep a secret. But do I want to know it? Yes. Is my desire to know your secret bigger than my desire to tell the truth about whether or not I can't keep it? Yes. So if you're like, hey, can you keep a secret? I'm not going to be like, you know what? No, I can't. Sorry. What if I did that? I wonder if they would just stop talking then. (laughs) That's kind of funny. But I'm so excited to know what the secret is. I want to hear the secret. I love secrets. Tell it to me. I want to know. Dinosaurs are alive. What? Or whatever. But I got to tell one other person who won't tell. Well, they'll probably tell one other person. But that's a slow transfer rate. Secrets ain't coronavirus. Although the coronavirus was spread because secrets were kept, y'all, from many people. Okay. Before I get into this, I was going to read, I was going to play for you um, a speech that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, congresswoman from the Bronx, baby, 30 years old. She was walking down the steps of the Capitol a couple weeks ago, and the senator, his last name's Yoho, okay, cool, called her disgusting, crazy, out of her mind, and dangerous for suggesting that poverty and unemployment numbers are causing an increase in crime in New York City during the pandemic. He called for, for she said that, and he was like, you're dangerous. You're dangerous and crazy and disgusting. Uh, you're out of your mind. When Ocasio-Cortez told the congresswoman he was being, congressman, he was being rude, he walked away calling her a fucking bitch, which uh, reporters overheard. And... She said very specifically, and I'm glad she said that she was not hurt or offended by the guy's comments because she's encountered this type of harassment before. But Yoho issued an apology the next day. And part of that apology was, having been married for 45 years with two daughters, I'm very cognizant of my language. And then he apologized for if his words were misunderstood. <laughs> Bitch. Okay, let's talk, Yoho. Yo, no. Yeah, you saw that coming. I was going to play for you the speech. The speech is fucking amazing. You should absolutely watch it, but I don't want to take time up with that. I want to take time up with Portland. Portland, Oregon. And and not, um, I mean, the, the federal troops being there when they're not wanted by the governor and the mayor, that's, I don't know. I mean, what the fuck? But the, the thing I want to read uh, is a piece from The Guardian, and it's uh, the title of this article is White as Hell, Portland Protesters Face Off with Trump, But Are They Eclipsing Black Lives Matter? We white, if you are white and you are marching for Black Lives Matter, you are a guest in somebody else's space, okay? I, I, can't, I can't stress that enough. You're in someone else's space. Be respectful of somebody else's space. Do not get violent. Do not graffiti. No one took anything from you, Whitey. Okay? Uh, Teal Linseth surveyed the sea of mothers she was about to lead into the firing line. 
I looked at this crowd and I don't see many black people, lamented the 21-year-old African-American activist. Oregon is white as hell, whitewashed. Linseth has been a stalwart of the Black Lives Matter protests that have continued for nearly 60 days without interruption in a city that was derided as Little Beirut over the intensity of demonstrations against a visit by George H.W. Bush four decades ago. Portland has cemented that reputation in the Trump era as protests evolve into nightly showdowns with federal parliament paramilitaries. Ooh, I said it right the second time. Good for me. Sent by the president to end what he described as anarchy. But Portland has another reputation alongside its radical image. That of the whitest large city in America in a state with a constitution that once barred African-Americans from living there. An 1850s law required black people to be lashed once a year to encourage them to leave Oregon. And members of the Ku Klux Klan, which would be a terrorist organization, but they're not for some reason, largely controlled Portland City Council between the world wars. Housing was effectively segregated in large parts of the city. Many of today's protests say protesters say their support for radical justice in a city where the police department has a history of disproportionately killing African-Americans is driven, at least in part, by an attempt to atone for Oregon's racist past. But as Portland battles play out in the national stage, the Donald Trump uh, and Donald Trump stokes unrest for political advantage. Some black leaders are asking whose interests the, uh, the televised nightly confrontations really serve and whether or not and whether they are a continuation of white domination at the expense of black interests. That's a very important thing for you to think on, for everybody to be thinking on. Um, then there goes into um, Oregon's racist past. Um, black leaders want to shift the focus of protests in Portland back to one of the enduring legacies of Oregon's racist past, reform of a police department with a long history of violence against the supposedly liberal city's relatively small black population and which has seen a sharp rise in the killing of African-American men since Trump came to power. Uh, and, and I'm sure it's been happening before that as well. And it has. African-Americans make up just 6% of Portland's 650,000 residents, but accounted for 30% of shootings by police over the past three years. Black people were also several times more likely to be arrested or stopped. The police department has proved so trigger-happy that the Obama administration placed it under federal court oversight, although it sidestepped the issue of race in doing so. That sucks. But African-Americans in Portland remain skeptical that the city or the police department are committed to change, particularly when officers are accused of siding with the far-right groups such as the Proud Boys, ugh, who regularly use the city as a platform for protests, knowing it will create backlash. Mm. You know, there's a thing as being too proud. There is a thing as being too proud. Um, oh, here's a dumb thing that happened. Uh, accusations that the force tolerates neo-fascist sympathies are not new. Critics regard the case of Mark Kruger as a particularly dark stain on the police department and city government. In about 2000, the then Portland police sergeant built a shrine in public in a public park in a public park, motherfuckers, where you eat your lunch, you take your kids, a rocky dog. In 2000, the then Portland police sergeant built a shrine in a public park to five Nazi soldiers, including a member of Hitler's SS and a war criminal. Kruger nailed plaques with their names to what he called an Erendbaum, A-E-H-R-E-N-B-A-U-M. Not going to say it right. That's okay. Or honor tree. They were positioned so he could see them from the road when driving to work as a police officer, and he kept them polished. What? 
I mean, this isn't surprising, but huh? <laughs> that's what I say to that. A big old. Kruger admitted wearing Nazi uniforms, but said it was because of his interest in history. Oh, fuck off, Kruger. He said the plaques were to honor the Germans' military prowess, not their crimes against humanity. Again, fuck off, Kruger. What the fuck? Now, now, the only way, the, this mother, talk about low self-esteem. Wow. This Kruger guy feels so small that he managed to get himself a position in the police department and wanted to put up statues in and plaques in a park where everyone would see so that he could feel like his dick's a little bigger and he his white little dick could sleep at night there's no other way there's no other reason he would fucking do that unless he did not feel powerful in his own fucking body and in order for him to feel powerful this little white dick piece of shit wore nazi uniforms and then whenever somebody was like, hey, that's fucked up. He's like, I like history. Don't gaslight me, you fucking piece of white devil shit. Fuck off. Man, recognizing gaslighting guys truly will change your life. Because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's in boyfriends. It's in parents. It's in racists. It's, oh my God. If the police in Portland continue to use violence against the general public, they're still in compliance with that agreement, have some changes? Uh, have some changes have been made? That makes no sense, but that's what it says. Yes, but it doesn't. Um, but does it get it? I can't read today, y'all. But does it? Did it get? Okay, no, they can't type. That's the problem. Uh, at the root of the problems and the issues that people were worried about in the first place? No, not at all. Okay, so what's happening in Portland is fucked up. It's fucked up that the that the federal police are there. It's fucked up. But you know what else is really, really fucked up? That the message of Black Lives Matter is being lost in this. That can't happen. We can't stop talking about Black Lives Matter. I'm going to talk about it forever. Not, not every second of my day. And no one should be talking about it every second of their day. Unless, you know, you're an activist leading the group. In which case, I totally understand that. Because, you know, you're doing very important work. But also... We, we need to be we need to keep reading the news and we need to keep understanding what's happening with Black Lives Matter and we need to keep understanding who's running for our local election who's running for our school board and and what Black Lives Matter what their goals and focuses are and oh do you you want to know cool because I have the fucking website up so fuck you blacklivesmatter.com simple um, BLM's hashtag what matters 2020 aims to vigorously engage Un underrepresented communities in the electoral process educate the black community about candidates and the issues that impact black voters most promote voter registration among millennials generation z and the black community and allies and combat the increased threats of disinformation during the election cycle affecting blm constituents and the public at large because guys if one of us is not equal none of us is equal okay that still stands <laughs> so here's the campaign goals for hashtag what matters 2020 vigorously engage our communities in the electoral process millions of black americans are rep uh, repressed within the democratic process yet data shows black voters tipped the balance in the 2018 midterm elections hell yeah moving towards 2020 we seek to increase the power of our voices and votes second goal to educate our constituents about candidates and the issues that impact us most we will amplify and do a deep dive into the issues that affect our communities most and hold our candidates accountable on these issues. 
Three, promote voter registration among Gen Z and the black community and our allies. Demographic shifts mean that in the 2020 election, non-whites will account for one third of voters and one in 10 voters will be a member of Generation Z. We will encourage and provide resources for those seeking to vote, which should be everybody. Because again, if you're over 18, live in America, you don't vote, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to punch you in the taint. Campaign focus. The campaign hashtag what matters 2020 will focus on the following issues. Racial injustice, police brutality, criminal justice reform, black immigration, economic injustice, LGBTQIA plus and human rights, environmental conditions, voting rights and suppression, health care, government corruption. Hell yeah. Hell yeah to all these. Education, common sense, gun laws. So to read more, to donate, to register to vote, to find out who's running, blacklivesmatter.com. Okay? Takes two seconds to fucking educate yourself. Well, a little more than two. And then the other thing I want to say before I dive into... um, the first pillar of self-esteem is um, the Kanye West, um, his videos, you probably heard, I don't know if you watched, videos his presidential rally, uh, him breaking down and crying and revealing things that weren't appropriate to reveal. If you don't know, you probably do know somebody who's bipolar and aren't aware of it. Because the comments, if you look at what people are saying about Kanye West online, what bipolar person who's, um, if if they are ashamed of being bipolar, which is common and it shouldn't be, but it's common, you think they're going to fucking come forward and say, actually, I am, I'm bipolar too. That's not going to happen. So I cannot stress enough, really resist the urge if it comes up after you hear this to tweet something or make a joke in, in a co- private conversation to knock him. Man, I, I mental illness is so rampant and so many people have it. I would say more people than not a type of mental illness or mental injury. And I think in an effort to deflect our own bullshit, we love a celebrity going nuts. Love it. Eat it up. Oh, yay. I get to focus on that instead of my shit personality. Woohoo. Fuck you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and me too. Me too, because I'm guilty of it too. I just, I want to have this important conversation to have. As a comedian, I, I've mentioned this before about what how, what's my internal reaction when I get offended by a joke. And the examples I usually give are people making jokes about bipolar people. That gets under my skin. That offends me. I'm not the bipolar joke police. If you're a stand up comedian, you make any joke you want. You make fun of bipolar, but you do whatever you want. I'm not telling you what you can and cannot say. I'm merely giving, hopefully giving you a little bit of sliver of awareness or maybe you'll take an extra second to think before you fucking say the thing. Do the hacky joke about Kanye. Okay? Because it's not something anybody is proud of. It's not not something that I mean, you could be proud of it because a lot of bipolar people I know um, are extremely artistic and they have all these amazing qualities that kind of are, you know, intertwine with their mental illness. They're like, I kind of like it. But everybody, every, every person who has bipolar is affected in a way that is unique to who they are as a person. So there's all kinds of levels of being bipolar. Kanye West is one of them. Celebrity in general is a fucking 
crazy little thing, man. Wow. I could not imagine being that famous. That would fucking make anybody go nuts. And I, oh, I'm going to talk about this on one of the upcoming episodes. But the Free Britney thing, the hashtag Free Britney, this thing that's been going on that I, I, I don't know why I was blind to. But I didn't realize I wasn't following Britney Spears on social media. I was like, I want to follow her. I fucking love Britney Spears. And then I saw what she's posting. And I'm like, uh, um, guys, is, is she okay? Hello, guys, anybody? Is she okay? She, mm, I don't know if she's okay. And then I looked into the free Britney stuff. Holy hell. Holy hell. Let me read, let me read this to you real quick. This is gonna be a longer episode. I'm gonna go, fuck. Let me fucking read this to you. Um, I gotta find it first. Give me a second. Um, okay. So this is Velvet Coke is an Instagram account that I follow, and they um they posted this. A little backstory first. Britney was a child star starting at the age of four years old on Broadway and then worked her way to the Mickey Mouse Club and eventually the solo career we know today. Her career has been on autopilot her entire life. If you look back at her music, she's been telling everyone for years she's too controlled and treated as a product. If you listen to the lyrics of most of her hits, examples include Lucky, Overprotective, My Prerogative, Circus, Piece of Me, and Give Me More. Her music videos, social media posts, tour props, and photo shoots regularly show her in a cage or in chains. If anyone has ever seen videos of her while she was younger, you'd know her real singing voice is very similar to Christina Aguilera's. Her record label didn't like it as they were both on the Mickey Mouse Club and about to release their debut albums at the same time. So they had her voice, Britney Spears' voice, retrain, retrained to sing in the baby voice we all know today because they believed it to be more iconic and will create a brand and career for her instead of her real voice. It's unhealthy. And it's been destroying her voice over the years. That's why she's known for lip syncing. She wanted to make an acoustic type pop album in 2006 titled Original Doll and reinvent herself using her real voice. The album was shelved and canceled once her label realized she would be singing in her real voice. She isn't allowed to sing live because she will either fail terribly or she'll have to sing in her deep voice that she isn't known for. Her entire career, she has been treated like a product meant to sell. Now for the real tea. Everyone remembers 2007 Meltdown. Everyone, everyone. Leading up the uh, uh, leading up the meltdown, Britney was going through a public divorce, had two children under the age of two, and at the time was very much the focus of public. We all saw her on every magazine cover. We all also saw the photo of her with one of her kids on her lap while driving. Go on YouTube once and look up Britney Spears paparazzi. You'll watch her be chased and followed by hundreds of them, even trying to get into public restrooms to photograph her, videotaping her in tears, asking them to leave her alone, and even filming her through the windows of an ambulance while she was naked to being taken away for her final mental health uh, hold. After the public meltdown, shaving her head, locking herself in her home with her children, speaking in a British accent on a regular basis, wearing infamous pink wig everyone, everywhere, and shopping naked, she was hospitalized twice. After the hospitalization, her father petitioned the courts to be a temporary conservator to her un until she was mentally stable and for only one, uh, one year's time. Two months after her hospitalization, she did a guest appearance on How I Met Your Mother. Six months after her hospitalization, she drops the Womanizer video and starts to promote her new album Circus in its worldwide tour that grossed $131.8 million. If she's so unwell, why did she start working right away? Her father, one year, uh, her father after one year, petitioned the courts for the conservatorship to become permanent due to her allegedly having early onset dementia in her 20s. It passed and has been that way ever since, for 12 years to be exact. 
Now, for everyone that doesn't understand what that means, let me break it down to you. Britney Spears is now 38 years old, a 38-year-old woman who is not allowed to do the following without her father's permission or he can legally lock her up in a mental health facility. Drive a car, vote, get married, have children, spend her own money. See how her money is being spent. See her children. She only has 30% custody of both of her boys due to her dad assaulting one of her sons. Oh, that's a good temporary conservator, huh? Leave her home. Can't leave her home unless she asks her father for fucking permission. Hire her own lawyer. Have any control over her career. Speak about the conservatorship publicly. Do interviews that aren't scripted and all final cuts are approved by her father as well. Use a cell phone without being monitored. Use social media unmonitored. Contact anyone without being monitored or having them extremely vetted. Iggy Azalea allegedly had her house searched for drugs top to bottom when they collaborated on a song together. Go shopping. Go for a walk. Get Starbucks. A conservatorship is meant for people with mental health issues or decaying health. Most likely grandparents or people with actual dementia, etc. They are meant for people who literally cannot take care of themselves. If she's so unwell that she isn't mentally capable of doing anything for herself, why is she still working? Since the conservatorship began 12 years ago, Britney Spears has released four albums, done three worldwide tours, did a four-year Vegas residency, was a full-time judge on The X Factor, released multiple perfumes in a lingerie line, made $138 million or so a year. In January of last year, Britney was placed in a mental health facility for three months after being seen driving her car to in and out with her boyfriend without permission and refusing to take the sedating medications her father and doctors prescribing her to keep her under control. She testified to a judge in documents that she was held there against her will by her father. After it was leaked to the press that she was there against her will, the Free Britney movement picked up speed, causing a judge to open an investigation into the impact and legality of her conservatorship has on her life. Britney's mother, Lynn, who also liking the uh, and commenting on Free Britney posts, saying she agrees that Britney is trapped by her father. Then fucking do something about it. I don't know if she can, though. Britney's tea. I'd fucking be at that fucking man's house. With a goddamn baseball bat until he ends it. That's not going to help, though. Britney's team had Twitter disable the free Britney hashtag and regularly threatens any celebrity that speaks out using the hashtag with a lawsuit if they don't remove their support for the movement. She was seen shortly after leaving a short uh, hotel through the front door. 99% of celebrities park underground to avoid paparazzi unless they want to be photographed stumbling while carrying her shoes and out of it her team used that moment to justify the public to the public that she needs this conservatorship she's not allowed to have any say in the hiring or firing of anyone on her team every year she pays 1.1 million dollars in fees for her conservatorship to continue including paying her father a solid one hundred thousand dollar salary and paying a lawyer she isn't allowed to choose She's allowed to an allowance of around $1,500 a week for bills, shopping, and essentials. Her net worth is $250 million. I'm not going to read the rest of it. Look it up. D- don't believe what I say. Look it up. Fucking look it up. So that's a very extreme example of what celebrity can do to somebody and how we react to it. And Kanye West is a, is a celebrity with bipolar disorder. I don't want to say disorder. With bipolar And I think the last thing that is going to help the situation or you or your life or the world is making fun of him, okay? Because bipolar might not be a humanized mental illness to you, but it is to me. And I can't tell you the suffering that I've witnessed people go through. My mom. It's so much pain. So please, 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 please. Consider what you say before you say it. 
and I'm guilty of it too. I'm not talking from a pedestal of any kind. We're all pieces of shit, guys. But I just want to remind you. Okay, let's get into the pillars of self-esteem. Shall we? God. I'm crying. Kevin's like, dick out. Okay. Let's look at the first pillar of self-esteem, guys. This is a book, Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. I've been talking about it the last two episodes, and we're going to get into the first pillar. And I'm going to read some quotes from chapter six about the practice of living consciously. I think it's such an important concept. In virtually all of the great spiritual and philosophical traditions of the world, there appears some form of the idea that most human beings are sleepwalking through their own existence. You're telling me, Doc. We perceive consciousness as the highest manifestation of light. Why is consciousness so important? Because for all species that possess it, because all species do, consciousness is the basic tool of survival. The ability to be aware of the environment in some form at some level and to guide action accordingly. I use consciousness here in its primary meaning, which is the state of being conscious or aware of some aspect of reality. Okay? Okay? Oh, okay, wait, wait, let me read on the page. As we have discussed, we are beings for whom consciousness, at the conceptual level, is volitional. That means that the design of our nature contains an extraordinary option. I love how he words this. That of seeking awareness or not bothering or actively avoiding it. Seeking truth or not bothering or actively avoiding it. Focusing our mind or not bothering or choosing to drop to a lower level of consciousness. In other words... We have the option of exercising our powers or subverting our means of survival and well-being. This capacity for self-management is our glory and at times our burden. I love that he says power. It's such a power, guys. Being a human being, you are a fucking magician and you don't even fucking know it, okay? You don't even know it, but now you do because I just told you so. You can't say that anymore, huh? Our mind is our basic tool of survival. Betray it and self-esteem suffers. Woof, daddy. If we, don't bring, if we do not bring an appropriate level of consciousness to our activities, if we don't live mindfully, the inevitable penalty is a diminished sense of self-esteem and self-respect. We cannot feel competent and worthy while conducting our lives in a mental fog. I mean, it makes sense. But when I read it, I was like, God damn, you is right. You is right. So one of the things that I do at night, because I really try to wind myself down. It's so hard for me to get to sleep when I want to. I don't go to bed until like 4 a.m. But I'm working on it. But part of being conscious is I add one extra second to everything I do. So I kind of, when I first started doing this, I just walked in slow motion. I set a timer for five minutes to see if I could do everything in slow motion. Take my contacts out, brush my teeth, whatever. Whatever the task. Do it for five minutes just to see. And you notice things. You When you go slower in life, I go so fast, man. Oh, I go so fast. I'm a speed. I'm a speed addict. And not the drug speed. But I got the need for actual speed, like going fast and shit. And I don't know if, if anybody else is like this, but when I slow down, oh my God, I notice, I notice the breeze flowing through the trees. I notice the color of the wall. I notice the textures on things when I go slower. I'm like, well, isn't this nice? I was missing out on this shit the whole time. Because I was in the back seat, y'all. But not no more, okay? Not no more. Through the thousands of choices we make between thinking and non-thinking, being responsible towards reality or evading it, we establish a sense of the kind of person we are. 
Self-esteem is the reputation we acquire with ourselves. Oh, shit. Self, I'll say it again. Self-esteem is the reputation we acquire with ourselves. Yo, when you're good with you, shit's great. Oh, my God. I need to take a picture of Kevin right now. Sorry. Don't move, Kevin. It's so cute. His dick. Oh, my God. He's such a big dick. I hate it. Anyway. The betrayal of consciousness. Oh, wait. Let me read one more quote from this section. So self-esteem is the reputation we acquire with ourselves. We are not all equal in intelligence. Didn't have to tell me that in a book, Nathaniel. But intelligence is not the issue. Woohoo! Dumb people rejoice. No, it doesn't. Intellect has nothing to do with it. Intellect has nothing to do with it. The principle of living consciously is unaffected by degrees of the intellect, intelligence. And I, and I, would, I would argue that emotional intelligence is required. Maybe not, though. But being conscious, it's just like, you know, that movie Honey Boy with Shia LaBeouf where I can only watch half of it because I was like, this is too close to home. I got to go. I'm going to cry. But his therapist, when he was in um, rehab or whatever, uh, and he would start to freak out, she would say, name five things in the room. And he would be like, candle, fireplace, chair, Kevin's dick, whatever he said. And I, I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing. And I started doing that when I started getting panicky. I'm like, oh, and I and then I felt myself fight it. But that takes you out of wherever whatever tall skyscraper you're in in your mind that's really fun the betrayal of consciousness living consciously means more than seeing and knowing it means acting on what we see and know thus i can recognize that i have been unfair or hurtful to my child or my spouse or my friend and i need to make amends but i don't want to admit that i made a mistake so i procrastinate claiming that i'm still thinking about the situation this is the opposite of living consciously at a fundamental level it is an avoidance of consciousness Avoidance of the meaning of what I am doing. Avoidance of my motives. Avoidance of my continuing cruelty. The only reason I read that was to say, because if you have this book and you're reading along, the whole claiming I'm still thinking about the situation is procrastinating. I, I also want to say, the, I've realized about myself, sometimes like that fight with that friend that I mentioned, I didn't respond. I was going to write her a letter and I was like, I need to think on this for a long time. Like I need to sit and think. There's certain creative projects where I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I just need to like, I just need to think on it. So I, I don't think that it's always procrastinating. And I think deep down, you will know the difference if, if it feels like procrastinating or avoiding, or if you just really need to think about it. And then he talks about the possible misunderstandings of what it means to live consciously. Number one, it is in the nature of human beings of human learning, oops, <laughs> it is a nature of human learning that we automat automate new knowledge and skills such as speaking a language or driving an automobile so that they do not continue to require uh, of us the level of explicit awareness that was necessary during any learning stage. So basically what he's saying with that is when you drive a lot of the time, your head might be in the clouds, but you can also safely be driving. So he's not saying like that's bad. And honestly, I'm glad he specified that because I, my fucking insecure ass would have been like, wait, so do I have to look at the steering wheel when I drive? What do I, I can't think of my thoughts. Can't sing my songs. Number two, to be operating consciously is to be, a, uh, to be in appropriate mental focus does not mean that we must engage in some task of problem solving every minute of our waking existence. Because Christ almighty, that sounds terrible. And of course, there are still other alternatives to problem solving, such as creative daydreaming. That's what I do when I rollerblade. Or abandonment to physical playfulness. That's what I do when I rollerblade. Or erotic sensation. That's what I do when I rollerblade. Number three, another misconception. Given the countless number of things in our world of which it is theoretically possible to be conscious, aware, awareness clearly involves a 
process of selection. My purpose and values dictate the standard of selection. So you got to fucking pick what to concentrate on in this ADHD world. My God. My God. Um, being responsible towards reality. That's an interesting concept. Responsible towards reality. I feel like we know a lot of people that are, are not responsible towards reality. One of the guys is the head of the country. Living consciously implies respect for the facts of reality. This means the facts of our inner world, our needs, wants, emotions, as well as of the outer world. This contrasts with that disrespect for reality contained in an attitude that amounts to, if I don't choose to see it or acknowledge it, it doesn't exist. That's disrespectful to reality, y'all. Don't catcall reality by refusing to go there. See it. It's not supposed to feel good. You know what I mean? You can't just feel good all the time. You can feel at peace all the time. I guess you can classify that as good. So I guess you can feel good all the time. However, difficult emotions are going to rise in your head at one fucking point. Or all the time. Face it. Face it. I love this quote. When we live consciously, we do not imagine that our feelings are an infallible guide to truth. I'll repeat that. When we live consciously... We do not imagine that our feelings are an infallible guide to truth. And I looked up the word infallible because it's like, I think I know what it means. Like, I'm not really sure I know what it means. That's why I love reading a physical book because I look up the words. Uh, infallible means ca uh, incapable of making mistakes or being wrong. So meaning you cannot be conscious. You cannot be fully conscious and live consciously if you think your feelings are it. Feelings aren't facts, motherfuckers. Feelings aren't facts. Feelings are clues, though. There are clues. That's an important part of that statement. I should say they're clues first, and then they're not facts second, because that's a really important part. They're clues. Blues, clues, blues, clues. We got a clue. And then he talks about the specifics of living consciously, and he lists a bunch of stuff. So I'm going to read off the ones that I highlighted. An intelligence that takes joy in its own function. I love that, yo. That's basically like being your inner child. This is a way to live. An intelligence that takes joy in its own function. What a fucking sentiment that is. I love problem solving. That's why I do puzzles. Being concerned to distinguish among facts, interpretations, and emotions. Noticing and confronting my impulses to avoid or deny painful or threatening realities. Because sometimes we have an impulse and then it's we don't pause for a second to realize, am I covering my pain? Being concerned to know if my actions are in alignment with my purposes. You got to take that tally, my friends. You got to go, what do I believe? Am I acting like I do that, though? What, what a life, what a, what a world we would live in if people asked themselves that, even just one time. Being receptive to new knowledge and willing to re-examine old assumptions. Because don't make assumptions, bitch. Seeking always to expand awareness, a commitment to learning, therefore a commitment to growth as a way of life. Yeah, guys, always try to grow. What the fuck is the point of living if you're not trying to get better? And it does not mean you spend every second every day on getting better because then you're going to kill yourself. No one wants that. Except you if you spend every second and every day on what you could be doing better. Um, but it, it's just be open to being wrong. Just and also, if you if you could do this without shame, just assume you're wrong. You know, assume or assume you might be wrong all the time because you might be. Okay, who cares? 
It's in the competition, okay? There's enough success for all of us out here. And then he goes into some of the, uh, some of more, you know, he has like a little paragraph about each of these things, ways to uh, specifics of living consciously. And then the, the one that I said, an intelligence that takes joy in its own function. That's my favorite point. So I'm going to read that section. So fuck you. Um, he says, the natural inclination of a child is to take pleasure in the use of mind, no less than of body. The child's primary business is learning. It is also the primary entertainment to retain that orientation into adulthood so that consciousness is not a burden, but a joy. Ooh, that sounds more fun. Is the mark of a successfully developed human being. So no one, but we're going to try. And of course, as adults, we cannot choose to feel pleasure in the assertion of consciousness if for one reason or another, we associate it with fear, pain, or exhausting effort. But anyone who has preserved over oh persevered that too if but anyone who has persevered third time's a charm fuck you overcome such barriers and learn to live more consciously will say that such learning becomes an increasingly greater source of satisfaction remember learning guys it's so fun i wish i went to school in i wish i went to middle school in my 20s because then i'd actually fucking pay attention fear and pain should be treated as signals not to close our eyes, but to open them wider. Because feelings aren't facts, y'all, but they is clues. They is clues, okay? They're clues. They're clues. Um, and then under the section that he expands on, being concerned to know if my actions are in alignment with my purposes, this issue is closely related to the preceding one. Sometimes there was a great lack of congruence between what we say our goals are or our purposes are and how we invest our time and energy. You know, everyone knows that one person or five people that are like, I'm going to be a famous singer. And it's like, well, do you sing at all? No, but figure it out. So not, but that's not to say like, you know, you took, think about concepts like the secret, like manifesting something. But, but if you really are manifesting, like I wanted to be on SNL, that was my, that was the thing I tried to manifest my whole life. And what came out of it was something that was kind of cooler. Um, I still want to be on SNL, but, but because I manifest that and kind of actively because I was actively focused on that I'm like okay what can I be doing what can I be doing that would help me get there what can I, you know so that's not to say people who say one thing and do another well if they do the other then that does fuck it up uh what I say that which we are pr uh, profess to care about most may get the least attention from us whereas that which we say matters much less receives far more from us that's like if somebody wrote you on an Instagram post, you post a picture of you in a bikini and everyone's like, you're so pretty. Oh my God, you're so, you're so pretty. And all your friends, hundreds of people are like, you're so pretty. And then one person who follows no one has no profile picture will leave a comment on your bikini post and they're like, fat fuck. And then you lay in bed and you're like, he said I was a fat fuck. Well, he or she, I don't know which one because that coward don't even got picture. That's low self-esteem. But that's also human nature. Human nature, I think, is like, well, a society. American society in 2020, very low self-esteem. Very low self-esteem. But we say, oh, uh, you know, love and joy and all that stuff matters. And, you know, I feel good about myself. And then the one fuck, fuck, fuck shit bitch comes along and it's like, you fat fuck in that bikini. And you're like, ah, I'm going to die. So sometimes we focus on the negative when that's not really what's most important to us. Or is it most important to you? Ask yourself that, Brandon, or whatever your name is. 
Uh, and here's an expanded um, on the point. Seeking always to expand awareness, a commitment to learning, therefore a commitment to growth as a way of life. I love this section. In the second half of the 19th century, the head of the U.S. Patent Office announced, everything, is imp everything of importance that can be invented has been invented. <laughs> I repeat, the second half of the 19th century, the head of the U.S. Patent Office announced, everything of importance that can be invented has been invented. Oh, he eaten his words from the grave. This was the prevailing viewpoint throughout most of human history until very recently for hundreds of thousands of years that homo sapiens have existed on this planet. People saw existence as essentially unchanging. They believed that the knowledge possible to humans was already known. Pooh, you wrong. The idea of human life as a process of advancing from knowledge to new knowledge, from discovery to discovery, let alone one scientific and technological breakthrough following another with exhilarating and disorienting speed, is only, hold on, I gotta turn the page, is only a couple seconds old, measured in evolutionary time. In contrast to all the centuries behind us, we are living in the age when the total of human knowledge doubles about every 10 years. Only a commitment to lifelong learning can allow us to remain adaptive to our world. Those who believe they have, quote, fought enough and learned enough, are douchebags, are on a downward trajectory of increasing unconsciousness. And we don't want you here. Don't kill yourself, though. The resistance of many people to becoming computer literate is a simple example. I recall a vice president in a brokerage firm saying to me, having to struggle with learning the computer was devastating to my self-esteem. I didn't want to learn, yet I had no choice. It was necessary, but what a battle. I love this quote. To find it humiliating to admit an error is a certain sign of flaw self-esteem. That hurt. That's why I lean into my mistakes, man. That's why I assume I'm wrong all the time. Because then I can't feel embarrassed. Because if I am, well, I was right, so fuck you. And then if I'm wrong on being wrong, well, that means I'm right, so fuck you. <laughs> See that little trick? No, but it is important to be open to being wrong. Don't be married to your ideas. Marriage doesn't work like you think it does, okay? Okay? Oh, this paragraph's good. This paragraph's good. This is about, uh, this is uh, in the expanding section on the, the point, uh, a concern to know not, not only external reality, but also internal reality. So like yourselves and your mind and your heart. The reality of my needs, feelings, aspirations, and motives so that I am not a stranger or a mystery to myself. It's sexy to be a mystery to a hot guy, but it's not sexy to be a mystery to yourself, okay? The intention or concern shows up in such simple questions as, do I know what I'm feeling in any particular moment? Do I recognize the impulses from which my actions spring? Do I notice if my feelings and actions are congruent? Do I know what the word congruent means? Do I know what needs or desires I may be trying to satisfy? I do know what the word congruent means. Do I know what I actually want in a particular encounter with another person, not what I think I should want? That's a good question. Ooh, that hurt me. Do I know what my life is about? Yes, I do. Thank you, Jesus. It's about Jesus. No, it's not. Is the program I'm living one, uh, one I accepted uncritically from others, or is it genuinely of my own choosing? <sighs> That's a tough one. Are you living for your mother and father, young man? Don't. Mm. Do I know what I am doing when I particularly like myself and what I am doing when I don't? Oh, that's a good one. These are the kind of questions that intelligent self-examination entails. Okay. 
Do I know what I am doing when I particularly like myself and what I am doing when I don't? Just an excellent question. Just so excellent. Note that this is entirely different from a morbid self-absorption that consists of taking one's emotional temperature every 10 minutes. I am not recommending obsessive self-preoccupation. Nor should you, Nathaniel Brandon. Nor should you. Oh, here's a section called A Note on Addictions, a.k.a. Dear Christina. This is an interesting point on addictions that I kind of knew to be true, and it's something that helped me not um, not ingest 80,000 milligrams of Adderall day. Oh my God, Kevin's dreaming, y'all, and I wish you could see it. Wait, I got to record it. Hold on. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to pretend to edit this out or pretend that I'm doing something else. Oh my God. Look, wait, record. Oh my God. He, he's being so cute. I know this is a podcast and you can't see. Wait, I got to clean my lens. Oh my fucking God. His little ball sack, his balls are like little, little, like, um, like hazelnuts. Okay, sorry. So I just had to pause my own podcast so I could take a video of my dog. And I'm not going to edit that out because fuck you. All right, a note on addictions, a.k.a. Dear Christina Marie Hutchinson, the avoidance of consciousness is clearly evident in problems of addiction. All right, fine, asshole. When we become addicted to alcohol or drugs or destructive relationships, and the implicit intention is invariably to ameliorate, ameliorate, and that means to make something bad better, anxiety and pain to escape awareness of one's core feelings of powerlessness and suffering what we become addicted to are tranquilizers and anodynes anxiety and pain are not extinguished they are merely rendered less conscious oh that hurt since they inevitably resurface with still greater intensity ain't that the truth larger and larger doses of poison are needed to keep consciousness at bay that's why you keep taking more Adderall, more Adderall, more Adderall, and take a drink, and then smoke a weed. And then... Self-destruction is an act best performed in the dark. Ouchies! <laughs> ouchies! Did you just light a cigarette off on my arm? Because ouchies. Did you just put a cigarette out on my arm? Because ouchies. That's what I meant to say. But that's how with Adderall, like that's that's what I knew. And I knew it wasn't that unconscious. Um, I knew that it was a problem when I started to hide it from people. And I'm not saying you should be upfront about every fucking thing about your life because you shouldn't. But you fucking know when you're getting into some shit. Shut the fuck up. You know, if you if you have any type of stillness in your day, which we all should because we all sleep or we have those moments right before we sleep where you're awake and still, um, you know, you know, you know. Consciousness in the body. When body therapists work to release the breathing and open areas of tight muscular contraction, the person feels more and is more aware. Body work can liberate blocked consciousness. Oh, that is the goddamn truth, y'all. I think the body, the body is so related to emotions. And if that, is, if that doesn't make sense to you, think of when you get nervous, what happens to your stomach? Man, for the first year I did stand-up, I, had, I only had to poop right before I went on stage. I never did, but I had to. I was like, uh-oh, that's not good. Uh-oh. And emotions get stored in your body and stuck in your body from childhood. Oh, my God. My therapist talks to me about that all the time. When I have a feeling, she's like, where do you feel it? Where do you feel it? What's it like? What's it look like? What color is it? 
so i mean your body is it's just it's just it's it's a it's a your body is such a wonderful companion and vessel for you and you if you take the time to listen to it oh man you get all kinds of messages get all kinds of messages um let's see what is there anything else i want to read yes there is there is a section in this chapter called sent oh the sentence completion to facilitate the art of living consciously so i'm not going to go through these but i just want to read really quickly he gives you all these run-on sentences and you have to create like six to ten endings to each sentence you could do it in a journal you could record it whatever um but this is really helpful i'm not going to share mine because i did these a while ago i just don't know where my notebook is and you know some shit keep to yourself if you want uh, I highly recommend it. So the sentence completion work is so deceptively simple, yet uniquely powerful tool for raising self-understanding, self-esteem, and personal effectiveness. It rests on the premise that all of us have more knowledge than we normally are aware of, more wisdom than we use, more potential than typically show up in our behavior. Sentence completion is a tool for accessing and activating these hidden resources. So you basically, um, the sole requirement being that each ending be of the sentence that you write. So he gives you a, a stem, a sentence stem, which is the beginning of the sentence. And then you write an ending that is a grammatical completion of the sentence. And you want a minimum of six endings, he said. We should work as rapidly as possible, no pause to think, inventing, uh, in, in, inventing if we get stuck without worrying if any particular ending is true, reasonable, or significant. Any ending is fine, just keep going. And I was like, really? But I need to be perfect. And then I was like, Christina, no, you don't. And then I was like, Christina, yes, you do. And then I was like, I need to take a nap. I need to take a nap. But the, and then this is the last thing I'm going to read for today's episode. It's a personal example about um, a time where the author Nathaniel Brennan was not living consciously. And I think this is a very relatable example to a lot of people. And when Corinne and I get emails from fuckers on guys we fucked, we this problem comes up time and time again. All of us can look back over our life and think of times when we did not bring to some concern as much consciousness as was needed. I can think of a lot of times. We tell ourselves, if I only had thought more, if only I hadn't been so impulsive, if only I had checked the facts more carefully, if only I had looked ahead a bit. That's like me every day. I think of my first marriage when I was 22 years old. I think of all the signs apart from our youth, which is a big term, that we were making a mistake the numerous conflicts between us, the incompatibilities in some of our values, the ways in which at the core we were not each other's type. Why then did I proceed? Because of our shared commitment to certain ideas and ideals. Because of sexual attraction. Glad he admitted that. Because I desperately wanted to have a woman in my life. Glad he admitted that too. Because she was the first person from whom I did not feel alienated and I lacked the confidence that another would come along very important thing to keep in mind because I naively imagined that marriage could solve all the problems between us there were reasons to be sure still if someone had said to me or if I had somehow thought to say to myself if you were to bring a higher level of consciousness to your relationship with Barbara ooh, name names bitch and to do so steadily day after day what do you suppose might happen I want I have to wonder what I might have been led to face and come to grips with to a mind that is receptive, so simple yet provocative a question can have astonishing potency. So in a lot of his sentence stems, he says, if I break, here, what's the main one? Living consciously, consciously to me means, consciously, can't say that word, fuck me, fuck you, whatever, who cares? Living consciously to me means, what does it mean? What does living consciously to you mean? And what if you were, if you have children, what if you brought, 5% more consciousness 
to all of your interactions with your kid. And I like taking it very little baby steps, little baby newborn fetus steps of like, if I set my timer for five minutes and I'm present with my kid for that long, I mean, I don't have a kid, but what happens? So just think about that. Think of living consciously, okay? Think about living consciously. Think of having empathy for people with mental illness. Think about the meaning and the the cause behind the Black Lives Matter movement and don't ever lose that. Don't ever stop reading about it. Don't ever stop fighting. Don't ever stop educating yourselves on Black Lives Matter. I don't care what the fuck color you are. Think about Britney Spears and what fame does to people and what mental illness, how carried away mental illness can get. And think about fish sticks and maple brown sugar dinosaur oatmeal. Guys, I love you. I'll talk to you next month. Come on, come on. And when it all falls down, man, I promise. I'm so self-conscious That's why you always see me with at least one of my watches Rollies and poshes that drove me crazy I can't even pronounce nothing Past that for safety Then I spent 400 bucks on this Just to be like, nigga, you ain't up on this And I can't even go to the grocery store Without some ones that's clean And a shirt with a team scene We live in the American dream The people highest up got the lowest self-esteem The prettiest people do the ugliest things For the road to riches and diamond rings Floss cause they the greatest We tryna buy back our 40 acres And for that paper look how low we a stoop Even if you in a band you still a nigga in a coop Come on, come on And when it falls down who you gonna call now? Come on, come on And when it all falls down I say fuck the police, that's how I treat them We buy a way out of jail but we can't buy freedom We buy a lot of clothes but we don't really need them Things we buy to cover up what's inside Cause they made us hate ourselves and love they wealth That's why shorty's hollering where the ball is at Drug dealer by Jordan, crack kid by crack And a white man get paid off for all of that But I ain't even gon' act totally other than that Cause fuck it, I went to Jacob with 25 now Before I had a house and I do it again I wanna be on 106 and park, wishing the bands. I wanna act all horrific, like it's all terrific. I got a couple pass through bills, I won't get specific. I got a problem with spinning before I get it. We all self conscious, I'm just a